Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. I'm Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight, we have a very, very special guest in the living room with me. We have Amy Lee Coy here. And Amy Lee Coy has written a book, From Death Do I Part, How I Freed Myself from Addiction. So <clears throat> I want to give a call-in number first off, which is 818 818- Four seven five ninety two eleven. Again, that's eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Or you can go to blogtalkradio. dot com forward slash safe recovery, and you can chat if you're too shy to talk. So I think Amy and I are going to be talking, and she's going to tell us about her book, and then we'll take some callers uh, if uh, maybe halfway through the show. So, uh, Yahoo! Hey there, Gunther. Hey, Ken Anderson. See you out there. So, welcome to my show, Amy. Hi, Monica. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for having me in your living room <laughs> and your home. So, this is kind of fun to do an interview for me, to have the person live here with me. Face to face. Right. <laughs> so, we don't, like, yeah, it's really, really cool. So, I'm going to start. I did read your book. Yeah. I love your book, and the reason that I did read your book was because of Gunther out there. Thanks, Gunther. Hi, Gunther. <laughs> really pushing me to contact you on the Internet because I was out here in Los Angeles feeling kind of lonely about what I was going through. And he said, you know, you really ought to call this Amy Lee Coy. And I was like, yeah, what? Like, and yeah. I looked up and I was like, wow, look at her. She's got a book. And um. And he told me again, and finally the third time I think I called him, sort of crying, really, you know, really sad about what I was going through, you know, in the program, mm-hmm. and I called, and I contacted you. Yeah. So when I, I read your book and was so blown away, and I'd like to say, what, what made you write the book? Well, I grew up in L.A., and I was very alone, and I thought I was, in uh, feeling like Alcoholics Anonymous wasn't reaching me, wasn't helping me, and um, I went to my first meeting when I was 14, involuntarily really, I was in rehab in 1984, and it just, it didn't click, it didn't 
make a lot of sense. I didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. and I didn't like the way I felt in the rooms. You know, I didn't like the energy. I didn't right, like any right. of it. Mm-hmm. And so I struggled with that in and out, mostly out because uh, I just I didn't want to be there. But I well, was, you were how old, right? I was fourteen the first yeah. time, mm-hmm. and I had been using for a couple of years already. But mm-hmm. you know, my mom didn't know what to do, and it, I'd gotten out of hand. I was extremely rebellious. I'd run away a lot, and. Yeah. Just I was, you know, using too much, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, so I ended up there. And the standard, and it still is, like talk about it in a little bit, um, mm-hmm. is to, you know, use Alcoholics Anonymous every day as the way to treat. And you know, honestly, it really I saw it growing up in this sort of rehab scene. Most people really have, a, well, most people in rehab have a hard time accepting it. Some people adjust into it, but a lot of people don't. And so by the time I was 35, I was so sick physically. I mean, mm-hmm. I just I had arranged my life in a way that I could drink as much as I want most, mm-hmm. most of the time. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I couldn't. I would have to do it different times of the day or night. But yeah. but often I could just drink myself into oblivion every day for years and years and years. <laughs> wow! And I got to tell you, she's sitting here in front of me. She's so beautiful. I would yeah. never know that you. When I first met you in the coffee shop, I was like. Oh my God! You know you must be really eating well since then and drinking a lot of water. Because I do eat well, but um, well, you know, yeah. we didn't have cell phones in the '80s like we do now. But mm-hmm. had we had cell phones, thank goodness, you would have seen me in hospitals in hospital gowns, IVs in my arm, mm-hmm. really sick, super dark circles under my eyes, thin hair. Mm. There was a time with my drinking when I was on all kinds of antidepressants and drinking really amounts. That you could just touch me and I would bruise. I mean, I was. Sick. Oh my God! Was what kind of antidepressants were they giving back then? Um, were you on? The first one was pro. What, uh, no, the first one was amitriptyline. I forget the names. I've been through a lot of them. Yeah, that was okay. in '85. Mm-hmm. But I re- I remember in the '90s I was. This was during that time when I was bruising and on all the drugs and take, just drinking like crazy. I was desperate, so I go to a Santa Monica Alcoholics Anonymous meeting mm-hmm. while they were having construction in that building or the church, and so they decided to hold it in a park across the street. Mm. So. Um, and I got, I, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stand up and share. Hi, my name's Amy, and I'm not, you know, I can't even right. say it now. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So I was like, I was making myself, forcing myself to follow protocol, you know, and do this. But now we're outside at a Santa Monica public park where I used to play. <laughs> so, you know. Wow. And all these people, you know, um, were sitting there watching and listening. And I mm. get up. It was like a performance, but it was really hard because I was really and I was desperate. To How young were you at that point? Were you at that I was in my 20s, um, mm. probably 25 or 26. It was pretty humiliating. So I get up and I'm explaining how sick I am. Like, my look at my bruises, everybody. You know, like, I need help. I need help. And people treated me like an alien for the whole rest of that meeting. You know, nobody sat next to me. I mean, they mm. couldn't handle a really sick alcoholic person. Wow. It was like, excuse me, isn't this where I'm supposed to be? I've been hearing this my whole life. So obviously I never went back. I just, you know, ended up with the doctor or something. But that was the feeling. That was just one horrible vibe experience of the meetings. And I just, um, so, you know. Wow. uh, You know, I've actually seen that happen. Uh, There's a meeting that you have to be 10 years sober to speak at. No, the newcomers aren't newcomers supposed to. Yeah, they're the pretty one. You know, I'm going to just say this. Uh, I had put out the word to put it up on Stinkin' Thinkin' um, that 
Amy Lee Coy was on, but I actually didn't see that it got up there. If either of you out there, anybody out there in TV land, could go post it somewhere on the blog, uh, that I had sent um, a letter this morning, an email, but I, I'm not sure that it got up there. So, um, here, yes, go ahead. Um, so I was, yeah, that reminded me about the reason I wrote the book. Yeah. Um, so when I was 35, I was just all over really sick again, like to the point of hallucinations and just my life was like I was just ready to go and I was just super sick. But there was a little part of me that didn't want to totally give in that still had a little bit of hope. Like I spent my whole life in this mess. There's got to be some truth to those positive words that certain people have been telling me about right. there's a better life, you know, you're you're great, this and that, you know. And So I I, I had a little sliver of still wanting to experience it that you know mm-hmm. I knew from a tiny child that you could feel good right you know and um so I had this this moment of like I got to do something mm-hmm. I know I can't go to rehab because I know what I'm going to get there I've done that a hundred times I can't go to AA same thing mm-hmm. you know it's not like I didn't give it chances a lot right. of chances right. you know yeah and so I just thought you know what I'm going to try to figure out what is really going to help me, if anything. Maybe nothing will. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll just totally, you know, hit a wall and, and, you know, maybe they're right. You know, I'm hopeless. Because there was a period of time when, you know, doctors, my psychiatrists and every psychologist would say that, you know, you're kind of doomed to take antidepressants and to be in this sort of your alcoholic the rest of your life. And Really? So so, so I, I got determined to write this book and, and discover if there was or wasn't any truth to any of that. Mm-hmm. But in doing that, you know, it wasn't, my mission was not to, you know, go after AA. Yeah. But in trying to discover what would work, I kept coming up against AA. So I had to, because I kept being told that is the only way, that is your only choice. And my... Yeah. How did you come across? Was it uh, as you're writing it, people, everybody you talked to or a doctor or what, I, what do you think? In the beginning, I was still trying to reach out. I mm-hmm. I made phone calls, you know, right. and I searched on the internet. This was 2005. I didn't find alternatives then. Yeah. Stinking Thinking, I think it's been around two years, two and a half years. My blog, Stop 13 Step in AA, um, it's been around a year and... Well, six months will be the end of June. There was ex-steppers, but I, I think so. I think there's been with stinking thinking. But isn't it? Didn't you say last week on your show, Smart Recovery was around in the 80s? Well, this is what like, I, I know. <laughs> Twelve years, actually. Well, he said 90, uh, 94. Maybe some of the, the bloggers, maybe Gunther knows, but I, I think that uh, 12 years. When you go online, smart has been around that long. Rational has been around for way longer than that. And secular. And the thing that blew me away, I had a woman call in from uh, New England. So there's a couple of people calling me, Gunther, um, Oblivion. I can relate. Oblivion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, calling you. in, and uh, what were we just like? Just totally lost about the how that they're actually. Oh yeah, alternate? that's right. We were talking about women for sobriety, mm. and Jean Kirkpatrick. She said passed away, but we were both so mad. Like she came in in '84, was a young woman who got sober in her early 20s, and me in '75. And I was like, God, we never heard of it. You Women know, for Sobriety was around since 1976. I would have rather gone there because it's about empowerment. Yeah, you know, and and you know, being in Los Angeles, you would think of all places, but it's actually the opposite mm-hmm. of all places. You know, the AA is 
dominated, you know. Right. But you would I and I wasn't only I went to some rehabs in a few other states too. Just how many rehabs did you go to? Can you count or have you? Um, I narrowed it down to at least eight, and I don't want right, to, you know, right. th- that's not including the 72-hour holds and psych this and that experiences because they aren't really technically rehabs, but, mm. yeah. It, mm. But now that's not actually a big number anymore. People are going in and out of rehab like crazy, you know? Yeah, there is a revolving <laughs> door. You know, I think it if, uh, who's the young lady, the actress, who um, is a couple of people that are famous, uh, where we know that AA is not working for them, and maybe with Twitter and the Internet they'll find, and I'm going to list them, you can help me. So there's Smart Recovery, which all of these that I'm going to mention now are actually non-secular. And for me, somebody who is very, very spiritually minded, I mean, I do prayer meditation every day, I've been on a spiritual path my whole life, but I actually love that there are these secular things because they teach me cognitive behavioral therapy, which when you're like your age at 14 and me at 18, we certainly need more than just these 12 steps, I don't even want to go, I'm not going to, you know, that. so there's smart recovery, there's secular for sobriety. Well, for me, I'm not a program person at right. all. So That's, actually, mm-hmm. I, I didn't use a program at all, and I probably wouldn't have even if I had known. Yeah, but as a yeah. teenager, all mm-hmm. I needed to know that there was such a thing as an alternative or if you can deal with it as a habit. And then from there, I would have been my own little leader and <laughs> tried to yeah, figure it out that. maybe, you know, if yeah. I was ready, but... Well, you know, that's what I liked about you. I could sense that you were sort of spiritual. There was something there was something about you that when I read the book, I went, wow, like here's a woman that was in and out of AA. And, um, you know, I, in and out of rehab for 20 years and does not call herself an alcoholic or addict, is um, abstinent, would you say, yeah. From a, a, and you did it by in the process of writing the book, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've really talked yeah. about it a lot. But I mean, a person doesn't actually have to write a book to do that, it, right? You know. So well, if you were to say there were like if there were points that I could like take out my yellow pad, yeah. like I actually rewrote, or I said to myself, if I could recreate Alcoholics Anonymous so that it would be better, the first step would say I am completely empowered by, you know, a god of my choice, Buddha or whatever, and then I had all these other things how I would switch it. If you had some things, if some teenager is listening and struggling, hates AA, or someone is in AA or 12-step, and they're going, you know what, I, ain't, I, I this is not for me, there are some things, right, you could say. Would you say there are some points? Yeah. You know, I just um, was visiting a friend in a rehab, a very expensive rehab here mm. in the Hollywood Hills. And, <laughs> oh, did that get away? Yeah, but, um, but there was a young person in there a young guy, um, and he, it was so, I mean, I couldn't say a whole lot, but um, what they do is if they make them go to AA meetings every night, five nights a week, and if you don't go, they mm. don't let you have your cigarettes. Yeah. So they punish you by taking away your cigarettes. And, you know, I'm thinking about myself when I was a teenager. I mean, that kind of behavior, is that behavior therapy? You know, first, it, does it even make sense to, to that's an unhealthy reward. Oh, wasn't, that, that, wasn't that a non-AA rehab too? No. Oh, it wasn't. The person I was visiting um, got the option not to go to the meetings if okay. she went. But for that price, you know, they better give you some kind of option. But they don't give you anything else to do, so she's bored out of her mind. Mm-hmm. and feels left out and excluded, wow. which is a lot of the problem, you know, because one of the good things about AA is community. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but but I think Gunther's going to call in now. Okay, because he's going to tell us what kind of community (laughs) you're going to get. There's a a caller on the line. Looks like to me. I'm going to see. The number to call in is eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. It's four seven five ninety two eleven. Gunther's asking in the chat room why did Amy choose abstinence? Good question, Gunther. Um, the, the, I have two reasons, and they're my reasons. I wouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. have them for anyone else. One is my body was a mess. Uh-huh. My my organs, my mm-hmm. everything was shot, you right. know. Right. And um, I just really felt like I needed to stop abusing. It was like if you look at a monkey and you like beat it to death, you know. It's like, are you gonna just keep beating it a little bit? Tap it, you know, and they're like, No, you, you give it a break. Give it a rest, you let it heal. So that was yeah. one really big reason. I right. just like back off of you, Amy. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I did that. And the other reason is I feel like for me and and this is sort of a little spiritual angle, it's a personal mm-hmm. thing. Um, as far as I want to like keep my channels clean because mm-hmm. I'm really trying to discover the best I can, the most I can, my inner being of right. greatness person. And I feel like the e- the quickest um, way to get there is to just stay clear of that kind of thing. But I'm not opposed to moderation. I think it can be done, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. think you have to do, a person has to do a lot of work. A lot of the things I I had to do in my right. path, it's right. healing. I don't think it's a good idea within the first year or two if you mm-hmm. were a drinker like I was. Mm-hmm. I think you really need a break, a mental break, just to know that you can right. do it. Right. And then then once you've sort of done some personal growth kind of thing, I think it's I think it's possible. Like, I and I don't make rules for myself. I'm not saying I might not, you know, mm-hmm. take a trip to Italy and Italy and mm-hmm. go to some, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't like rules, you know. Yeah. But right now, and for how I'm on my sixth year now, it's not what I want to be doing because I have a different vision in mind for myself, and I like staying clear. And I'm looking forward to what else I might find in there, you know. So. Yeah, I really think uh, for young people that it's a big mistake to tell somebody so young that they're alcoholic, even. I have somebody really close to me who is really, you know, young, drinking, you know, carrying on, and now watching him being able to have one beer, you know, mm-hmm. like really good, and all of the things that I've learned, I think that to say to a 15-year-old that you're an alcoholic now and forever and yeah. you're broken and you're, you know, uh, you know, this is just kind of crazy. Um, I want to just take a little, uh, have a, a, not a break, but, talk about who we have on here today is we have if you've just you know checked in with us um is amy lee coy and she has written from death do i part how i freed myself from addiction um but she when she's talking about her spiritual self it just reminded me of this the other part of amy is that she has a cd it's on itunes it's called melty mind things and you're currently working on some more music you want to yeah. talk about you want to talk about that well, the Mouse and Mind thing CD, that, that was um, really important to complete. A lot of the, I wrote the lyrics mm-hmm. and a lot of the music and everything, and that that's sort of a rock-pop alternative yeah. uh, album. And that, I wrote a lot, some of it while I was um, writing the book, and but during this time, so it's kind of um, supportive lyrics. You know, mm-hmm. they're my lyrics, so they're thoughtful, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, the one I'm working on now is, really cool it's kind of it's new for me it's sort Mm -hmm. of it started out to be kind of drum and bass and but it's got a trans dance kind of um 
sort of the yin of the yang, the feminine spiritual kind of thing with yeah, a little bit of cool. exotic mm-hmm. erotic touch in it. Right, right. It's kind of cool. They'll, they'll so. be at the raves. They'll be in yeah. Vegas, played at the, uh, what's the biggest one? My sons have gone to it. Uh, Daisy Wheel, Electric Light. Vegas? Electric Light, uh, no, I can't remember it, but no, it's it's a rave where they dance to, you know, they'll put, um, you want to take this call? Should we yeah. see who's here? Let's see who's on. Hi, caller. Oh, let's see, you do it maybe this way. Hi, caller, you're on the line? No, it's, hi, caller, you're on the line. Hello? Hi, caller. No? Okay. I'm going to mute it again. Um, I thought, yeah, okay. (laughs) If you were, it says there's a number that's called in there. Uh, If you want to, maybe they don't want to talk. Maybe that's what it is. All righty. So welcome, everybody out there in TV land. This is Blog Talk Radio. I'm Monica. I'm your host. This is Safe Recovery. And we have with us Amy Lee Coy, who I am so blessed and happy to have met. And really, if we think about uh, also how I met you was sort of scouring the Internet, you know, and I found Orange Papers first. I think I put in Bill W. Sexual, Bill W. 13 Stepping. Okay, that's me. No, I do find, but this is like, you know, how one thing leads to another. I love that. So, um it brought me to Orange Papers, which I read for days, and I was so depressed. I would go to my yeah. meeting and sit there like someone had, like, ripped the rose-colored glasses whoosh off my face. You have been in AA for 30-something years? Yeah, I, I'm sober, absent for 36 years now. And you never had any idea there was any of the behind-the-scenes information you were reading on Orange Papers, Bill W.? Um, you know, I read a biography of his that was never approved by GS. Oh, uh, in um, 1976, and we talked a lot about, he never told the truth, though, about taking LSD at 18 years sober. He called it mega vitamin therapy in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't talk about his rampant, you know, 13-stepping that he did. Uh, but, so two and a half years ago is when I started to comb, and then I found Orange Papers, and then I found Stinkin' Thinkin', which had just been created exactly when I was, really having a hard time because of, you know, the young girl that came to the meeting I was going to at the time who was mm. being 13-step. Yeah. So, uh, and then from you, from that, because Friend the Girl and M.A. have that blog role on the side, yeah. you know, with all the things, and it, but it was really Gunther sort of pointing out because I was feeling really isolated, and, you know, he sort of came to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey there. Hey, they're out there in Blogland. <laughs> so let's talk more about your book. Um, you have a forward here by Stanton Peel, who we had on the yeah, show. I uh, was so excited to find him because he was the first person I came across that said AA wasn't the only way or addiction isn't a disease. Yeah. And, you know, so so I was, like, reading all this stuff, and I contacted him, and then we started writing, and... He right, got to know each other, and he read my book. And it's one of the. I'm going to have on next week. This will be addressing disease, or you know how you're broken, um, with a, a George Quant, who is a leading expert in transcendental meditation, which they're now calling. He is calling quantum meditation, 
and he'll be on next Tuesday. And what I thought is I'm going to bring on besides one of my goals here, though, is why Amy is sitting here, why why I had Stanton, why I had Smart Recovery. I'm going to try to get. It's so sad we have to call them alternatives, but that's the way it is, you know. Uh, so I want to have everybody on the radio show uh, so that everyone knows that there's an alternative, and one might be to pick up Amy's book. Because really, back in the day with AA, you know, people picked up that big book, and they stopped on their own in the middle of Alaska by reading the book. And, you know, it's really got to get this on Bill Maher and Oprah. And, no, she's not on anymore. But um, I, I really think, oh, yeah, back to Stanton, the disease concept, that with George Quant, um, when I took his workshop, he said, uh, and this they did millions, like 25, 30 million on research at UCLA, and AA has done no, no research at all. Mm-hmm. And they have proven that the access, the part of the brain we're not using is pure. Now, this is before crack. And, you know, uh, ICE, because I did see a thing on the Internet where a doctor was saying that that drug is reformatting. That back, They can see it's the one drug that is changing a part of the brain. I but, think this is a really wrong focus when you're trying to deal yeah. with alcoholism or right. drug addiction. Right. Just narrowing in on the brain is just... Not that's how right. You're gonna. I mean, is that really gonna help the teenager? You know, I mean, it's just. I just. But the point being that UCLA proved that you're not broken. That even if uh, uh, things are what, which I was told, and I bring this up because this is what I was told. Like the line is that we're like men who have lost their legs; they never grow new ones. Yeah. There's stuff out of Chapter Five that, you know, to me is not true. It's and so it's it, for me. I am not internally. I am not forever broken. Yeah. What? And so is that? Your it just reminds me of that that study. I don't. I can't remember the name where they where they have these little monkeys and and they take <laughs> them away from the mother and to see how the how oh the monkey God. is going to be upset. What is what is that? I forget who it was. But it's like, did you really need UCLA to do 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 these studies to tell us that we're not broken? And I, I, we have just because. Well, they did so much more than that. I don't want to, I don't want to make it like that's all they they found out from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But because the other thing, the most recent study on mindfulness, and George and I were talking about this, is that they've noticed that people who meditate, they've done that study yeah. that that just keeps you younger. Um, you actually are not only more flexible, uh, maybe, like, they're not talking about being flexible like I can sit and still sit in Indian style. They talk about your personality is actually more, less rigid when you meditate, and it doesn't have to be a religious meditation. You could actually just be sitting, mm-hmm. breathing, closing your eyes, and being still for a moment or for five minutes or 15 minutes, whatever you do. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about that because I'm with you. Like, if somebody would have said to me, uh, it's about your brain, Monica, I would have said, like, what are you talking about? You know, I felt um, lonely. How do people feel when they, you know? Like, let me, I'm I'm curious to you, like, what was the reason when you were, you know, six, seven years sober? Why were you still, what were you still getting out of going to the meetings? Uh, There was a lot of social I would say social rela- friendships and relationships that I had begun. I went to give back. I believed in giving back to. So you weren't having like cravings or. Oh my God, no! I didn't. I actually stopped on my own. Like yeah. I, I stopped. Yeah. Um, and two weeks later, I met Tom, who twelve stepped me. But 
um, only when I was about a year and a half sober, I was going through a really hard time, and I wanted to drink then, and I made it through that. Well, I never wanted to drink again. Do you think being, were you going to meetings a lot during that time? Uh, I probably went to, back then it was considered a lot of five a week, like, you know. <laughs> That's a lot to me. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. But, you know, you hear this crazy stuff. There was a period in L.A. in the 90s where people were like, you know, you know, I go to ten meetings a week, yeah. or, you know, I go to two a day. I was like, what? Like, you go to 14 meetings a week? Yeah. You know, uh, to listen. Because I, I think, like, just hearing that message constantly, you know, it's it makes drinking your default when you're having an upset. You know, when you're in this program that's all about not drinking or healing drinking or whatever mm-hmm. addiction, then when you have a crisis in your life, your default is going to be thinking about drinking, you know, or... Yeah, you know, have you ever heard, especially with young people, say, um, they come out of the meeting and they go, God, that makes me want to drink more than... Uh, yeah. Right? And yeah. I didn't experience that, but... Uh, I did. I was, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so talk about that. Well, because you're... Well, you, you hear the stories about how wasted and sometimes they're funny stories mm-hmm, and you know mm-hmm. and and then you're just talking and then maybe you tune out of the story and you start thinking about your own experience of how good it felt to be high or whatever and right or, right you know and just like also you know boredom is a big cause for using and stuff so i just like i tend to think that it you know like i like to hang around people that are you know, a little bit, know a little bit more than me, you know, for learning purposes, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same when you're trying to heal from something. You don't hang around sick people. Right. I mean, uh, I guess psychologically. Well, about like-mindedness, okay. So I have a couple of questions out here from in the chat room. Uh, This is Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. If you've just tuned in, I'm Monica. I'm your host. I'm here every Tuesday night. We have... Amy Lee Coyon, who wrote a book, From Death Do I Part, How I Freed Myself from Addiction. And uh, the other question we have here is, was Amy aware of things like the orange papers when she decided to find a different I was way? aware of nothing. Really? Nothing. Wow. I, and because I had, yeah, my world was either rehab, Alcoholics Anonymous, or me totally... In the bar scene, or forget it, or my, I didn't, didn't, you know, whatever, however I drank, you know, but it it was one or the other, and I had never, and I have seen so many different therapists in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and other places, Mm -hmm. you know, and never, and met so many people, right, and never once heard anything else, and um, so I... I had, I was aware of nothing, and I... And so what year was... You, you're, you're this up was 2005. To, yeah, you know, it is... And you, did you think, like... I actually thought I was, like, really alone. Like, I had... Before I found Stinkin' Thinkin', when you had this blog with all these people, when you were writing, or when you... Did you st- also the think you were alone? The whole time... The whole time I wrote that book, I thought I was alone. Stanton didn't read it until it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't write the foreword until I... I was all done with the book, mm-hmm. you know, and I mm-hmm. sent it to him. So the whole time, I just... And what I did was, um, you know, James Frey's book came out while I was writing it, and he was on Oprah, but I didn't watch it, and I didn't Mm. read it. I didn't want Mm -hmm. anything influencing my thought process, and I didn't know what his story was. And I purposely (laughs) left out a dentist story (laughs) that I have where I was, you know, no 
Mm-hmm. You yeah. want to tell it, or what but I didn't want it, but I didn't want anybody going. Oh yeah, right. You know, we read James. Really, because everything in my book that you know. Is what did, why did like you get no? It's in, uh, tell us about that story. I don't know that oh, one. Oh no, you, you know what? I thought, you I know have what? so many stories I didn't put in there. All right, well, you know, so you were you thought you but were by the, yourself out was, in the yeah. sphere of. Uh, non-AA world and yeah. rehab not working. Yeah. Like, I, I, I thought I was going to have to create another program, personally. Like, I didn't even know that, you know, what, there's even another program with this lady. She wrote, like, the 16 steps, and the first one is all about empowerment. Mm. And I'm thinking, me and this other woman who is not happy in AA, we're both going, let's create a new program. You know, we'll call it Safe Recovery or whatever. She had her name, and I had mine. So, find out, then I read your book, and then, you know... Yeah, so I didn't really want to create a new program, but I did want to, because I had met so many people over the years that struggled just like me yeah. and who just couldn't, would much rather drink than go become a recovering alcoholic and alcoholics anonymous. So I knew that they were out there. I knew I wasn't alone in that way, but right. I knew I didn't have the answer. They didn't have the answer, so we were still messed up. So I just decided if I can figure out something, if I'm actually able to get well, to right. heal myself, right. I'm going to share it. It was kind of an obligation. Like if you see people drowning in a pool and you actually found the ladder out, right, right, it's right. kind of, I can't not tell people there's a ladder in the pool. So my book is kind of like, here's a ladder, you know. So it really was to give people hope that there's another way kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I would like to tell one of the things that I loved about your book uh, is I have a great story to tell about the being on an airplane, too. Maybe I should tell that story first. So I'm coming back from Hawaii from the Pacific Regional Service Assembly, which I went specifically to give out the pamphlet, the Make AA Safer pamphlet that I created. And I was I really wanted to read Amy's book slow. Like, I didn't want to, like, rush through it. I just really enjoyed, like, and what she's done, part of what I liked and we talked about it was that, the, the, first of all, the type was bigger than some, <laughs> and the chapters were short, and there were these titles of each chapter. Like, chapter two, it just says, help. I mean, I just loved it. And then there's a quote from, you want to talk about, the, I love this concept that you did that, you know, blisters, and then she, under blisters, this is chapter 11, she says, the record shows I took the blows and I did it my way, and it's by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> when I talk, this that's, is so cool, this concept. That's just me. I'm an artist style. It just came to mind. I just did, I, and also I wanted short chapters, mm-hmm. um, easy to read, because when I first quit, I was such a mess. I couldn't focus very mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I, want, I wanted a book I could carry around with me, you know, that had to do with what I was really suffering with. Right. But I couldn't read, like, an encyclopedia or anything, you know. But I wanted just a little bit of inspiration in my pocket kind of thing. Yeah, well, I felt it was, uh, you know, a temptation. Are you, do you like to read a lot? Like, I sometimes, uh, Henry Miller, Chapter 19, Body. Um, there's a quote here, our own physical body possesses a wisdom, which we who inhabit the body lack, we give it orders which make no sense by Henry Miller. Mm. Is there a paragraph you would like to read from your book or a part in the book for you that um, – I'm going to give the number. You can call in at 818 – yeah, eight, I'm sorry, I totally spaced out. 818-475-9211. That's 818 uh, – he's blurry-eyed. What's who's blurry-eyed? This is funny. Um, let's see. Um Hey, out there, this thing went by so fast. So, 
But Amy is looking for that. I'm going to talk about that safe recovery was designed and developed so that we could give a voice to the victims who have been, you know, preyed upon inside of the 12-step recovery rooms. And also, I feel like this is this is my slogan, okay? Empowerment, not powerless. Like, 1936 powerless belongs back there. Like, can you imagine if our doctor, we went to, you know, him, and he was going to treat us now like they treated women in 1936? Boy, we could really have a story if we talked about that. Amy, did you find this spot? Since you're talking about empowerment, this is from the chapter Strength, and I say, um, recognizing and using my inner strength is, is the essential element that helps me continue to abstain from using alcohol or abusing drugs. I have learned to recognize that my own strength is always there for me to draw upon whenever I need it. The important thing is to remind myself of that strength and to use it. That's really beautiful. And, you know, I was thinking about which, you know, she, Amy and I have talked a lot before and we've met and hung out and ate food together and it's really kind of fun, <laughs> you know, to become friends. And uh, you had said you had been on antidepressants. At what point um, did you get off them and realize that you actually, you know, some people I know have needed them, but what happened with you with that? I got off of those when I was about 32 mm-hmm. um, because I had just been a mess. I had so many, I should have taken pictures, you know. <laughs> I mean, because I was one of those people with this, like, my psychiatrist was just giving me this sample, that sample, and plus I had prescriptions and I didn't throw them out until about 2008, and I remember looking at them all going, holy crap. <laughs> I was like on, on all those things. But but it always bothered me to be taking them. I never, from the time I was 15 mm-hmm. when they first gave me that, I resisted. I hated it. Really? And then there was a couple periods in my life where I you know, I just like, okay, yeah. help me, help me. And I gave in, and I would mm. take them, and then I would have side effects, and then I was, was still still depressed. In fact, I ended up in the hospital a couple times on suicide attempt uh, while I was taking antidepressants. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the answer for me. Right, right. It, what, I wasn't messed up. I had a really difficult upbringing, and for me, and then I didn't, wasn't ever taught how to handle that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, our society kind of put me on a road that doesn't work for my personality, you know, yeah, and yeah. a lot of people's personalities. But um, What helped you handle that part, the stuff that was hard for you uh, as a little girl? when you were doing work on yourself? What, what well, I wasn't you? a little girl anymore, for one thing. Right. I was an adult, and, yeah. you know, I just, life experience helps you handle some things. You right, know. right. A lot of times, you, you as you grow older, you get afraid of things, you know, that happened to you when a child, but you have to remember, you're not a child anymore. Yeah. You have more abilities than you did then. You right. Know, just to handle things. So, um yeah, well, I, I I give you credit for that because I certainly, and maybe because I I was so entrenched in AA mm-hmm. and sort of bought it, you know, sort of hook, line, and sinker, and, you know, it's a guy on the blog that says drinking the Kool-Aid, you know. <laughs> I I got help from a therapist, uh, Wendy McCord, who specialized in dealing with, you know, childhood abuse of any kind, and uh, I hope to have her on too because, she told me so many things. There was just stuff that, I mean, I dealt with stuff, but then as I as I had like, you know, uh, 15 years, you know, clean, um, and I had a child, it just brought up all these feelings as I took care of my son and the baby, and, 
you know, just really went through a lot of trauma, you know, myself. I was, like, really having, you know, really bad memories. So I went into therapy, and that really, really helped me. But that's really, you know, fabulous that you... And that's that's about you, you being able to express yourself and to talk about your specifics, mm-hmm. and that helps you express your feelings. Mm-hmm. When you go into a program that has these, you know, pre-designed things you're supposed to do and supposed right. to think. Mm-hmm. You have to think those things. You don't mm-hmm. get to think for yourself. You don't get to express in the same way because you have to do it within those boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's not, to me, healing. You know, that's that's fitting into those boundaries and see if you can last the rest of your life, you know, or not. But what you did was, I think, you know, expressing and just, you know, it's a different... It's right. a healing process, I think. Right, definitely is. Sense. We have another question. Um, how does Amy manage depression these days? Um, well, <laughs> well, it's true. She I, never gets depressed. No, that's not true. <laughs> so I'm happy and frolicking no. down the streets. <laughs> no, I do, but I swear. Um, but, you know, life is hard, you know. But but um, uh, what I now, I what I do is I always, always remind myself that I have been here before. It's never, you know, I'm never going to fall into the pits that mm-hmm. I was of depression and suicide because I, I can't because I right. know that I've been, that I can get out of it. There's no way, just knowing what I know, uh, I can't pinpoint what it is exactly that I right. know now. There's right. no way you can can go back that low. And I always know that it's temporary, even if it lasts a month of ugh. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, crying or, I mean, that's been a while since that. But I've had some difficult, like, um, circumstances in my life, you know. Right. Since I've been sober. So, I mean, sometimes it's normal to be stressed and cry and, and sad right. and depressed. Even, right. You know. And um, so that's another thing. Sometimes you it's okay to allow yourself to feel bad. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to freak out if you're feeling depressed for a few days. Yeah, And who right. knows, it's it hormones or something too. You know? That's right, but, but it does pass, it right? It passes, and yeah. that's the main thing I keep in mind, is that when I when something shocks me or sets me into, like, a feeling that feels as bad as, you know, earlier depressions and earlier in my life, I, I recognize that, you know, it's not the same thing. I'm, you know, I'm mm-hmm. in a different place, and... I can pass through it because I know I've done it. I've passed mm-hmm. through the worst of the worst. So I just have to hang on, be patient, you know, and do what I can, you know, as far as, like, using tools like, you know, music. I do that, mm-hmm. but, you know, so I do things that, that help me feel better. Right, you know, right, and take care of yourself. Talking to people, getting mm-hmm. out of my own little head and, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, I really, I don't know if, any, if anybody's out there who knows a good PR person because I joke with Amy that this book, I would love to see it on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, you know, if we had Skinny Bitch on there, if you read that book, you know, and I remember seeing the cover to that book. And uh, um, but I would like to see it. And if, so, if anybody knows of spreading the word, uh, you know, I brought Amy on to do that. Did I tell that the airport story when I was on the plane with your book? Did I tell that? I think you did. Oh, I did. Good. Yeah, but the lady was like. Um, saying, uh, I pulled it out of my thing and she saw it? I still have that message on my phone. You do? <laughs> I, I don't think I told that story. Did I Did I tell that story, callers? Uh, let's see. You started to. I started to, but I don't think I did. So I'm going to tell it because it's really kind of cool. So I'm coming back and 
I couldn't get into first class. I was trying to upgrade, and so I was, like, stuck in the back of the plane. They said, oh, you're way back there. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I was, like, stuck between two people. And basically what happened is I pulled out the book and started reading it. And this lady, like, was, like, staring at it and looking back. And finally I put it away, and she goes, oh, what's that book you're reading? And I told her, and she said, oh, you know, I, I have been having problems with my drinking and wine, and um, I don't like AA. I hate AA, and uh, I've tried women for sobriety, and it was like, whoa, there were like 600 people on that plane, mm-hmm. and that's what, and, and I didn't get to sit where I wanted for sure, and I did surrender. I kind of went, okay, just breathe in. You know, I hope she's not like, you know, a difficult woman on each yeah. side of me, you know, and I just sat, sat in there, and that's what happened, and we wound up having this really great conversation um, and there are actually a lot of women who are not going to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, you're going to go to the Betty Ford, you know, and you're going to spend twenty two grand, 28000 a month for, you know, AA people to tell you that you need to turn your will and life over to the care of God, and then you got to listen to a sponsor who may not know anything about life tell you why you're supposed to, you know, go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's what I was talking about the community earlier. That is the good thing about the program, but right. because it is hard. I mean, it's. I mean, it, it's going to be hard no matter what. No matter what, if you're in a program or not, right. quitting your habit or however you want to think of it. You know, right, right. letting something go, changing your behavior every day is hard. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about my book. It doesn't matter if you're an AA or not. The process of letting go is the same, and that's what I really talk about. I don't talk much about AA in this, just in the beginning no, to you, yeah, let you really, people know my story. But, right. But the process is, is you know, pretty much the same, you know, of inner, except for I talk about, you know, finding empowerment and that kind of stuff. Right, and, right. And I don't default to, oh, I'm just an addict. I never default to that because I don't believe that, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm much, much, I like that. I really like that about you. I really come to that place that, um, and I had really come to that place about labeling long before I realized that, you know, that A was no longer working for me, or I couldn't even sit and listen to Chapter Five be read one more time, or I was going to like put a bullet in my head. <laughs> it was like kaboom, you know, like please, like let's look at what you're reading, guys, and. Uh, and say to yourself, and I know you don't rant like I do about this, but you know I spent too many uh, yeah, years in that. Yeah, you have a right to rant. <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, Gunther, he likes to you know rant with me about it, but I uh, and there are plenty of people on the blog, uh, thinking, thinking, who do as well. Um, I think that uh, one of the the chapters that I remember uh, really being you know kind of touching was it's the very end for you, and you were in a small town. Mm-hmm. In Pennsylvania, yeah, that's, right. That's how it happened. Just all alone out there yeah. in the western. Actually, that's where they they filmed. Um, uh, what is that movie? Oh my God, with Anthony Hopkins. A really scary movie got shot in a small town in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence <laughs> of the Lambs. In the end, you know. was in Republic, Pennsylvania. And, I was uh, in an old Civil War house, but whoa, <laughs> <laughs> well, had his ghost stories there, but. Um, mm. I think uh, even, yeah, I mean, even if I had been in L.A., where I had been most of my life, but I, I still wouldn't have been able to go to AA because mm-hmm. it wouldn't have done anything different that it, you know, didn't try to do before. You know, I still wouldn't have connected with it. So I'm I'm not sure what would have happened to me, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I got some kind of inner strength, though, that 
day I decided to write this, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe being isolated helped because there really was, I, it was so clear to me there was just nowhere to reach out. Mm-hmm. And the couple of places I did just said, you know, first, you know, you can try all these things, but you first have to go to AA, you know, you're going to have to go. And I just would be like, throw my hands up, like, this is terrible. Nobody's going to help me. Nobody's listening to me. You know, don't you understand? I know that stuff. I need something else, you know. Yeah, and to sort of say, well, and if you don't, you know, you're going to die or be institutionalized or dead. Which they said. Yeah. And I remember when I made it down to the doctor after, you know, for the hallucination problem, because it was a small town. The doctor was just like a block down the street, so I was able to walk there. I was scared. (laughs) I was so sick. I had got, like, uh, agoraphobia, you know, like, I could barely go out. I was just always shaking. Mm -hmm, It was just mm -hmm. really, really bad. And, um, but I made it there. And I remember him saying to me, oh, Saul, you know, do you think you're, he's about my age, or maybe he was a little older at the time, but, but he's all, do you think you're an alcoholic? And I remember saying no, you know, because only because of my past and what I know, and I was just resistant to this. I knew what he was thinking. He was thinking textbook alcoholic, you know, recovery AA stuff. And I just was like, no, that's not my story. That's not who I am. So I was in that little rebellious mode. I wasn't sure what I was going to do yet, but Mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't the package. That wasn't that I could be in if I was going to heal. Right. You know. So it wasn't the box. They were going to stick you in a box, and this is who you were. You know, and, and oh, well, they, you and know didn't. what? I would have happily crawled in that box if it was a full box. <laughs> it was like, you know, if there was a little something in there worth staying for. Yeah, it was a stayed. cool box. I, I think it's really declined. I mean, yeah, for so me, it was not a cool box. Yeah. Like, you know, it's from scary. Part of the problem that I'm seeing is that we have convicted felons plea bargaining, and we, you know, the, the DAs, or that's what they do, this plea bargain, and you have third-level sex offenders that now are attending AA meetings that people don't know, so that when I went back to mixed meetings with, you know, this young woman, I was really horrified what I saw, and then through Googling and finding all this stuff out there, uh, and there's so many actually good AA members. I mean, I was once one. Uh, that don't know that. Yeah, that's really yeah. not good. Yeah. Um, I remember you asking me when we first met about do I have any yes. like, stories like this yeah. in thirteen steps, and I was thinking hard, and I'm like, you know, for me and my experience, where I would hang out with you know guys and bars and that right. kind of stuff, and drug scenes or this or that. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a. Ho- there wasn't a line, so the guys I met out were the guys that were in there. They just mm. were forcing themselves. That's what it felt like to me all the time, forcing themselves not to drink mm-hmm. for as long as they could hold out. Oh, really? really? Well, I mean, that's sort of the vibe I get from a lot of people in the program. It's mm-hmm. like it's always one more day, you know, one day at a time. It's like, you know... I want to. What about? T- I don't know. I, yeah, I want to look forward to the next day. Why? Why can't I? You know, be happy about two days at a time. You know. Right. Yeah. But, you know that really annoyed me too when I was even young and they were giving out chips and I was eighteen and I said, why would I take a chip if I've given up drinking for life? And they looked at me kind of strange. I said, I don't want to ever drink again. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I go rah 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 at thirty days or sixty? This is not like I'm not a monkey. Yeah. So I was a pistol then, but, you know, I'm, I, I, I saw it as bullshit. I was just like, no, like I wanted to, I was so finished. Oh, I just banged my phone. I was so finished then. I just said, I've had enough. I don't want to drink again. And from that place, I believe that some of the things that you're into, like 
spiritual healing and evolving or personal growth or whatever you want, psychological, whatever you want to look at it, Mm -hmm. would have been great to take off from there and to grow in that way. Oh, my God, I'm going to kill myself. It's not your fault. But seriously, that's the problem. This program dominates the world. If you have an issue with using drugs and alcohol, this is where you're taught. And that's not to me, there's more to learn. Right, we're, we're gonna we're gonna change that. So uh, there's another name that came to mind. There's Rational Recovery. Stephen Slate has a as a site. SOS Secular for Sobriety. Smart Recovery Women for Sobriety. Um, Amy's book. Uh, I do think there's some other books out there that talk about sort of alternatives to this. And yeah, you know, when she just said that, I mean, there was a a uh, point where I just was crying about, you know, the years that I wasted. Imagine what would, I can't go there if I, I was. <laughs> I mean, because you said, like, I don't want to drink ever Yeah, again. I know. Okay, and yeah. so, yeah, I get right. that. Now what? <laughs> right, right. And I think that, um, you know, part of uh, what, you know, um, being so vulnerable and just wanting so badly to feel loved and feel a part of is what I felt like at that time in my life in Hawaii that to tell people also that they need the meetings forever mm-hmm. and that if, you, oh, they've stopped going to meetings. And, I mean, I even at some point had judgments. You know, if I, it was rare that people, and I would say, oh, you see, you know, and people say, oh, yeah, well, you know, we know what happens when you're not here anymore. And, you know, that's not true. That's a lie. And when, that's just a lie, Amy, right? And I mean, when that commonly happens, that's the default I'm talking about. If you spend your weeks and months in the meeting and they say, you know, if you leave, you're going to you're gonna drink. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you leave and you have a problem, you kind of think, oh, I guess I'll drink. Because you haven't learned some other way to handle, a brighter way to handle right. your, your, you know, feelings that bring you down or whatever your crisis is, you know. Mm-hmm. There are better ways to handle it that you would that you could have been learning as a younger person and into adulthood that that don't default to drugs. But it's a learned thing. <laughs> what are you laughing at? So one of the chatters said, get a chip that says forever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a woman who, uh, that's funny, that, that called me from uh, Arizona, and she got so mad because she and I are becoming good friends too, and uh, she's so passionate and She's so mad, as she should be, because she's been grabbed and uh, licked and bumped up against, like, over 12 times. And, you know, she said, she goes, I brought my chips back. And I said, here, you can have them. I've never heard that. Like, (laughs) I actually had gone to my meeting and said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, and this is why. But she went in, and she, like, you know, gave them her chips back because they were unwilling to talk about that she was being grabbed and, you know, pinched, and she went to a, the secretary who was a lawyer who told her maybe she should go to a women's meeting. That's that environment thing, like yeah. like people were saying before. If that happened in a public place, a bar, or, in, or even, you know, yeah. anywhere, right. that, you, you just can't do that. Call the cops, you know, or manager would kick them out, something. They'd right. be banned, you know. But for some reason, it's that that environment, people think, you know, we're all here for the same reasons. You all give each other a break because, hey, we're cool. We're right. all addicts, man. We're we're down with it. You know, I mean, come on. No, no, I know. <laughs> and and, and that whole thing of hanging on to the look of an addict. Yeah. All right, so still looking like an alcoholic or addict. Like the people that I got sober with who actually spin off and went to N.A., none of them, when you meet them, would go, oh, my God, you were like a gnarly heroin addict. You don't know. But nowadays I see it even when, you know, it got really cool to go to A.A. that was like this – 
you know, yeah, I'm like still like a, a party man, but I don't drink any. It was just this. It's like hanging in the in their auras. It's just like dripping off them. That I still. You no, know, I wrote a chapter about that, and it's and it's about it's not just getting rid of the physical behavior of ingesting mm-hmm. the drug. It's also the psychological behavior of mm-hmm. those kind of things. Right. Of you other. Have to be willing to like open up to new thinking, you know, right, new right. ways of, you know, and, and for a while you're kind of like, like I said in my book, I'm like, I actually walked kind of wobbly. I didn't really know. Like, I was really unsure of, like, I don't know who who I was in the world a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. It, mm-hmm. I mean, that passed pretty quickly, but, but um, yeah, you have to let go of that kind of, well, okay, at that point I was already kind of set, but if I was a teenager, you know. Right. Yeah. Do we have any more questions out there? We have five minutes. We're at the five-minute mark. And if you've just tuned in for the last five minutes of the show, I'm Monica. This is Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. And I have with me in my living room studio, brought to you by, (laughs) uh, the book that she wrote that I really love so much, uh, From Death Do I Part?, how I Freed Myself from Addiction by Amy Lee Coy. You have a website that is, what is the name of your website? From DeathToIPart.com. From DeathToIPart.com. And she also has a CD that's called Melty Mind Thing. And mm-hmm. that's on iTunes? It's on iTunes. Is it on CD Baby too? No. You can get a I don't physical think so. disc I don't anywhere? Know. Can you get a physical disc if somebody on likes it that much and wants the, to get it somewhere? Yeah, on, I think on Amazon. I think it's there. It's on Bandcamp. But the links are all from on From Death to I Part. Okay. It sends you to the music page, which sends you to your choices of where to get it. Yeah, so I, I think you need some hookups. You need some sweet hookups I with do. the PR <laughs> from Napoleon Dynamite. Let's give him a call and say, hey, Amy had a hard life. Was she a foster child is a question. No, my parents split up when I was five, and I stayed with my dad. My mother actually went and joined the cult and uh, oh. left family for quite a few years, and we eventually mm-hmm. got back together. But um, that's why I have a lot of understanding about how hard it is to leave Alcoholics Anonymous, I, not because for me it wasn't, right, but right. because it becomes your life and your friends and your family, and it's very hard to let go of that. Anyway, I learned a lot of that with my mother when she finally left, and, you know, the craziness behind there. It's a lot of mm, you know, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't always know about. And my grandfather was molesting me during that time, and so there was... Oh, my God, yeah. And what else was going on? There was some other stuff. It, it was just... Uh, I wanted to be a foster child. That's... I really did. Wow, that's pretty horrible. In fact, I yeah. I even used to sit on the street and wish the pimp would pick me up. Oh my I god! I wanted away from that scene so bad. I mm. was and I was uh, you know ten or something at that time. You know. Was, wow. So and me, you know, and there was hope at that time, but I wasn't around people that were teaching me how to care for my how to care about myself or. Just how to, you know, I, I was on my own back then, pretty much. You know? wow, I'm so sorry, but I'm glad we got to meet. Um, I want to thank Amy Lee Coy, who is the author of From Death Do I Part, uh, How I Freed Myself from Addiction to be on my show, um, Black Talk Radio Safe Recovery. I want to thank Ken, Kenneth Anderson. He has his own show, uh, Harm Reduction, right? Harm and um, Gunther, and there's a few other guests out there that it was really been
fabulous platform for me as well as other people out there that have needed to express themselves. Yes, go ahead, um, You were asking me before the show what would I say to teenagers. Yes. I want to say Ken Sanderson's harm reduction book would be a great start. Oh, for teenagers, I think it's awesome. Yes, I'm going to schedule a time. Yeah, and I I think that would be great. I want to. Um, so, in logging out, I'm going to have Ken. We need to schedule a time. I'm going to have Kenneth and Anderson on. I'm going to have George Quant will be my guest next Tuesday night at six. He's dealing with the quantum meditation. He's one of the experts in it. Remember that it's empowerment, not powerless. And this is a show to, you know, discuss and explore alternatives to AA. And we want to support men and women who have written those books. So you can always contact me at Make AA Safer, or you can contact me through the blog. And you have a great evening, and thank you so much for being with me tonight. You want to say goodbye to the callers? Okay, Amy, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody out there in TV land. And I will... See you next week. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.